This episode of How to Save the World is sponsored by All Heart NZ, a registered charity dedicated to reducing, reusing and redirecting corporate waste to help both the planet and Kiwi communities in need. Learn more about the amazing work they do at allheartnz.org.nz. Welcome to another exciting episode of How to Save the World. No Waveney this week. I'm Tim and I'm joined by guest co-host... Um, beloved New Zealander, recent recipient of the New Zealand Order of Merit. I understand. Yes. Well, I haven't received it yet. I got my, I got a mini one sent in the in the um, post that I can wear to yoga. But um, it's Robin Malcolm. Hello. Hey. Hello. You've got a little mini one. I've got a mini one, and then on the twentieth of September, I go and get my big one. That is so cool. I know. I'm very excited. I'm not quite as excited as my mother. My mother's really excited. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You got it for your services to acting and screening on the stage. I'm Is that imagining right? so. I, 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 I'm hoping maybe it might also be for being a bit of a good citizen every now and then. But yeah. I might be pushing it a little bit. I honestly, I'm, I've got a, 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 I've got a little bit of imposter syndrome about it. I'm like, everyone does. I'm just this funny actress. Why are they? You know? But then I keep meeting, you know, people from my industry in the supermarket who say things like, "Get the fuck over yourself and just take it for us." You know, like all the people in the arts, we need as much. Well, yes, you know, it's absolutely and, true, and I do, and I'm not being disingenuous or um, ungrateful about it. I'm really grateful, but yeah, it's weird. You also, I don't think you should feel it's unearned whatsoever. I know that everyone has imposter syndrome. That's the one thing I've learned hanging out with, um, <laughs> going to America and elbowing with like semi-famous comedians and actors and stuff over there, and really cool famous people from here. No one feels like they Belong. deserve to be where they are at. No, which no, which is so weird. But you've got like this extent of history of activism of of putting your neck out there um both in the acting world like people will be i'm sure familiar with all the stuff around the hobbit and all the union um stuff that went on there uh but you have for over a decade been advocating for new zealand's green spaces and species and you you are true environmentalist i've been doing it for um well uh the first well, the first protest march I went on was when I was 16 and it was the year that wasn't an environmental thing, but it was the year of the Springbok tour. And uh, I went out and protest against that and I got hit in the head with a clot of dirt and it made me think, right, I'm going to do this again. Awesome. <laughs> this gets it. This gets a response. And then there was a lot of, you know, the anti-nuclear stuff in the late 80s. So I was involved with that. And... Um, I was involved in a, an anti-vivisection sort of animal rights thing for a long time. I think I grew I grew up. Um, both my parents were very political, I guess. Right. And the conversations around the dining room table were always about something, you know. And I always used to, um, I me, mean, I used to slam my fist on the dining room table and get really angry when they would tell me to be reasonable or whatever, you know, and, you know, as, as teenagers do. So I've always associated getting involved with stuff as kind of just being a good citizen, yeah, you know. And also it's important to constantly remember that we live in a democracy and it's our God-given right to get up and say what we think. Mm. I'm looking across it the UK right now in terror going oh my God, 
what's happening to democracy in the world when you look at the US and, and the UK yeah. and the way that's being strangled right now by both of those knobby leaders. It's frightening. I think there's been uh, possibly a little bit of complacency because we didn't have a world war for a little while and everyone forgot that all of these structures that we put in place are there for a reason and we just kind of took certain things for granted. That's right, that's right. The structures and the institutions kind of protect us and they need to. And uh, I've never quite understood why voting is not compulsory the way it is in Australia. I think it should be, you know, because people people do get apathetic and they do take democracy for granted and they do take the fact that they are able to make a choice for granted, which I think is dangerous. Um, I've been having or seeing some interesting conversations and, and had one or two with Chloe Swarbrick, a very prominent Green Party MP, yeah, about her considering out loud which is possibly a little politically naive whether she would be doing more good inside of parliament especially with respect to things like climate change and the environment or working from the outside trying to put pressure on politicians because i think there has um been a lot of hope uh with this new left government that we've got the labor-led mm. government in new zealand mm. and perhaps mm. a little bit of um inertia and people feeling a little burned that more hasn't Mm. happened quicker particularly Mm. around the environment Mm. and do you have a take on that as sort of a person who has been on the outside pushing in for so long about what's effective and what people can actually do that well i think change done i think ultimately things change with a vote right so um and politics now is driven so much by the fear of the vote next year or the year after. You know, how can we ensure that we stay in? Which means that you you straddle a middle a middle ground and not a lot gets done because of fear, which is really frustrating. And it seems to be something that's um, kind of more prevalent now than it was. You know, I th- I think I think we have a breed of sort of fearful career politicians. I don't think the Labour government is 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 that. I, I know a number of those people and I think that their, their values are, you know, they line up with mine and I, I think their their visions for the future are, are, are great, but they're up against some pretty strong opposition in there. Um, if there was a, you know, like a, a mandate from the will of the people, everybody to change something, then I don't think they'd have a choice, you know. So it's obviously a... A complex mix of mix of the two, which is not a cop out answer, but I really I, I I think the more pressure you put on from the outside, the better. But also, if you are able to stand being in Parliament, if you're able to stand being inside the beehive and work from the inside, I'm sure that's where the significant changes ha- you know happen. I mean, I've I've been in situations before where. You know, we've we've been um, protesting for something or advocating for something or protesting, and and you meet the MP and you you meet the person who agrees with you, and you know they've got to take that back into the building mm. and deal with someone who believes the complete opposite to them, which I guess is 
the good thing about that's MMP yeah, and it's called the a house of representatives. About, it's called a house of representatives. That's yeah. right, and and that means that change is really slow. the The problem at the moment is with climate change is that we can't afford for change to be really slow anymore. Yeah, we just can't. I I was talking to someone recently that uh, I think. Probably what's required is for a political party to be called "We're out of fucking time." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, <laughs> the we're, the we're fucked if, unless we do something, party. Yeah, like now or like yesterday. Yeah, you know? do something. I've because uh, I. I, so I'm in my early 30s now, yeah. and I've always been... So am I, bro. <laughs> always been, um, what an amazing career you've had in your uh, early 30s. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. To, be, to have fitted all that in by the time I was 32, it's great. Incredible, Ron. Yeah. Um, so I have always been a pretty politically minded person yeah. and previously quite hopeful. And this is a semi-embarrassing story, but the day that Trump got elected, because I'm like semi-obsessed with American politics, it's yeah. kind of this hobby that I follow. Yeah. It's my version of sport, because I'm a skinny dude who has no aptitude, so I follow <laughs> that instead. And the like, What sport would it be like, though, American politics? There, there Ameri- isn't. There if isn't American any... politics were to be a sport, what would it be? Chess boxing. Have you seen chess that? Chess boxing. They that... have a round of chess, and then they get in a boxing ring and beat the shit out of each yeah, other. Yeah, that sounds right. It's that. It's that, yeah. That's the closest thing. And on the day, because it was such a foregone conclusion that Hillary Clinton was going to win and watching the results roll in in real time, like I'll never forget that day as long as I live. And I went pescatarian that day from being a massive meat eater. And then uh, this year I've actually gone vegan as well. And it's, wow. And the thought process behind it has honestly just been I give up on politics. Like I don't, like it's not going to work. Rufus has come in, my little dog, and Hi, joined Rufus. us. This is Rufus a vegan too. No, He's not. absolutely not. No, well, he, it, it, I think he, that would be cruel. Maybe, maybe put him through some reruns of the American election and see what happens. <laughs> see what he Do does. Do you know what? It's up to him. I was on a plane from Los Angeles to New York the night of the election, and I left Los Angeles just as they were starting to count the votes. Oh my and God. I arrived in New York when they just announced who the next leader and honestly it was like I'd walked into the biggest funeral in yeah. the world it was just quiet and you were in her country but like in New York City you were in her her ground as well yeah yeah Especially yeah and his I mean the great thing was that yeah, we, I ended up being part of the protest outside Trump Towers the week later or whatever but it was the most extraordinary thing feeling this plane as we flew across the country, the kind of the, yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah. and then quiet, and then we all got off the plane, and it was it was like there was almost no life in that city. Even here in New Zealand, I swear you could feel it walking mm. around. Everyone was just like, what the holy heck has what just the happened? Holy heck? And you know what? There's a part of me that just thinks, guys... You know, I mean, I know there's, you know, like I, I watch all those news channels and they have all those. Uh, it's because they can't afford to send a journalist out in the field anymore. So they have those, um, you know, the CNNs and all the rest of it. And they all sit around and they discuss stuff. You know, they have yeah. all their experts come in and they all wring their hands and they, you know, and I just think, fuck you guys. You know, fuck you. You you, you voted him in and you vote to keep guns in and mm. you wring your hands in the news and nothing happens. Mm. Do, like, do something. So this is this is why I think, and I am constantly trying to find what the vehicle is. And I guess it was almost a birth of this podcast in a way as well. It's like, hey, guess what? 
no one else is going to do this for us and we're we're completely out of time for mm. politics to do this yeah so we actually all need to start and making yet, action and convincing people yeah and at, but but politics has to do it like the the only way to really change stuff the only way to change it to the degree that it needs is legislation it has to be that you know i mean we've been you know, we've all been recycling for years. We've all been riding bicycles for years. We've all been trying to lower our carbon for and I, and I say that, and I know I'm the biggest hypocrite in the world because I jump on planes to work, you know. Um, but we all try. Somehow we all try. And we're still going downhill fast, you know, without a brake pad. And the, the, I think the only way significant stuff is going to – the only way we're going to turn this around is through solid legislation. And the problem with it is – is that there's that belief, and I remember listening to podcasts and TED Talks, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and the angle was um, dealing with climate change is never going to work because there's no bang for your buck economically. That's why they don't, you know, it's because there's no way to make make money out of it. I don't know whether that's still true, but I believe that. I believe that's why nothing's been done is because Mm. money comes ahead of everything. And so when when you say to people, this is going to cost... It's actually going to cost. It's going to cost you um, your second car or you're just going to have to pay a bit more tax or people don't want to do it because we're naturally so short-sighted, probably because we only ever live for 80 years. And, you know, when it, when I listen to my beautiful niece, Sylvie, who spoke at Ollie Langridge's um, 100th day, uh, you know, 100th day outside Parliament last week. And she also came and spoke with me when we were doing this thing for the Hector's Dolphin. And she said this great thing. She just said, you you know, it, it was all about you. You're, you're, you're leaving it now, hands. I'm 11 and I'm worried because you guys haven't done anything. You're leaving it up to us. And, and I think that's a kind of a symptom of how short short-sighted we are it's mm. like oh well that's all right because i'll be dead in 30 years and then someone else can deal with it and we've it, it i don't know what the answer is to that that <laughs> it's hard to motivate people because that's why i got you on yeah well <laughs> it's hard i it's really hard to motivate people when they know it's going to cost them i believe you can do it and i i believe it's got to be about positive change not about loss but actually this is going to make life better Mm. Um, I also believe that people feel great when they're doing something they know is good yeah there's um, a whole I'm sure this will be something that gets diagnosed soon if it hasn't already been added to the what is it called the DSM the big manual of um, disorders (laughs) mental things that can be diagnosed of like eco anxiety, I've got so many mates my age and a little bit younger who are like, you know, oh, legitimately know. so paralysed and stressed out and catastrophizing all the time about this stuff. Oh, I'm I'm not surprised. And one thing that uh, when Waveney and I have both talked with each other and had guests on that keeps coming back is just taking some sort of action is such a big help for yeah. that. Just doing something, just making some sort of change. Yeah. And yeah. there is a big snowball effect as well because I, I have to admit, I hope that this changes, but my outlook is way more cynical than yours about the role of 
government and politics now mm. i just think it's like we almost have to circumvent them somehow have and a revolution waveney's really big on um sort of consumer choice and really empowering people to vote yes. with their wallets yes. and every single dollar that we yeah. spend you know is a vote yeah uh, every single product and economic activity that we do is voting yeah. for something um so it's yeah it's a it's a tricky one to try and find the answer but i reckon we've kind of got to go around and that no well hopefully it can be both because i mean if 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 as a nation we all tell the government that we want this how do you think they've got to do it because you spoke you spoke earlier about a public mandate what sort of form do you think that takes like what does that look like is that petitions is it is it change.org people signing up on that is it people marching to the streets to parliament i think you find something specific i think you it, it's it's hard when it's general fixed climate change you got to find something really spe- like, like there was an action that i was involved in a few years ago which was about stopping the mining of um um the open cast mining along the west coast of the south island and we got Lucy Lawless and I got involved in a really small way. It was the national park, right? Yeah, it was, the, it was the national park. Key government from doing the, yeah, yeah, the big mining there. Yeah, yeah, and um, and we made this. Lucy and I made this little video called "Sexy Coal" because we had found this footage of Jerry Brownlee using the phrase "sexy coal," and because it was comedic, it got out there. And it did the rounds. Apparently in his office it got so many hits. They were just watching and watching. And uh, and the movement grew and grew. And it was sort of a combo of the fact that comedy reached a lot more people. But we suddenly well, threw ourselves into it along with Greenpeace. And 40,000 people marched up Queen Street. And we got it stopped. And it was, that works. Yeah. But it was specific. Yeah. And... And we and we targeted something that people really care about. That's and, good. And I also thought, it, it, I think laughter helped. Yeah. You know, because sometimes it gets a bit scary. You know, one of my nieces was, um, she wanted to go and uh, on the school strikes for, for climate, and apparently other other parents in this particular school wouldn't let their kids go because um, what was the quote? The quote was something like those kinds of marginal marches they can get a bit violent, you know. Like there's still what? That, there's exactly there's still that perception out there that if you if if you're if you go on a march, if you're publicly active, whatever, then then you're a bit aggressive and a bit of a, a loon and you're going to, you know, get beaten up by that's a cop. Or, oh no. Almost a throwback to the Springbok stuff, that's isn't it? Right. That's right. Like, I, I think it is. It's like it's like people's terror of unions. Mm. You know, it, it becomes really reductive to sort of a, a negative place. So, I mean, I, I agree with Wave, I think. And my boys and I, were I was showing them the... The Leo DiCaprio um, doco the other day, and God bless them. By the it was a small thing, but at the end of it, they both went, "Wow, not going to buy any more Doritos." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that's awesome. That's an action. That's specific." Yeah, we're going to go, and they and and then they said, "Have we got anything in the house that's got palm oil in it, Mum?" And I was like, "Shit, no." And they were like, "Good, good, good, good." You know, and and it just that was that was a little. 
a little turn for them. Whereas yeah. sometimes when I bang on about it, you see their eyes roll into the back of their head because it's too big. That's, that's such good. I haven't heard this talked about much before at all. So the specificity is really key. I honestly think that's it. I mean, if you're, if you're somebody like, say, Greta Thunberg, who, who talked so openly about, about how she was heading down a pretty dark road in her life and then she found that there was something that she could do with that and now mm. she feels like really, you know, like she she's she's active and she's countering all her anxiety with with um with action there's that but i think most people you know most people have got lives yeah. that they kind of want to get on with and, they, and they've got worries that happen on a daily basis you know mm. the kids are sick can i pay my phone bill my car's broken down am i getting a you know am i going to get made redundant am i not i hate my job i want to let you know like we've we've all got we've all got that life stuff going on and then when there's a big thing that comes over that says the world's going to hell in a handbasket unless you do something it's like what I'm just gonna run around in my house and panic, you know. Whereas if someone, if if there was a listen, what you can actually do to help is uh, just don't buy food with palm oil in it, for instance. I haven't got time. I haven't got time to go through the supermarket and look at everything that's got palm oil in it. Okay. Here's some brands that are, you can trust. Here's some brands that are good. Yeah. Can we lobby the supermarket so that they can so they can market like they do free range? For, you know, like if, if you look at the journey of, I've, I've done a lot with SAFE over the years. And if you look at, you know, the number of people now that will actively choose free range over non-free range, you know, eggs and chicken and pork, it's, it's really grown. And it's labelled. So yeah. it's easy, you know. It's because people do want to do the right thing, eh? That's I think. Thing. I think that's the thing. I think people do, but sometimes doing the right thing seems like really serious and too hard. Yeah. So making it specific, but also um, finding the joy in it. Finding the joy in it. Absolutely. I mean, I remember. I remember years ago. The the international head of Greenpeace, this guy Kumi Naidu, came over and he um, spoke at a pub in Kingsland and I went along to hear him. And there's a lot of, the the problem with all of this is there's a lot of should. We should be doing this. We should be doing that. We should be, you should, you should, you should, you should, you should. And, and, and what comes alongside with that is, and you're not. And you're not doing it, and you're not doing it, and you're not doing it. So we're all wrong. We're always wrong because we're not doing the right thing, and that's why the plan. So there's a lot of bad feeling. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of panic. There's a lot of anxiety. And so I said to him towards the end, I said, "How do I? We get all of this. How do you? How do you actually motivate people? How do you do it? Because it's not working yet." There aren't enough of us who care yet. There aren't enough of us who care to the extent that we want to change our lives for it. So how do you make that happen? And he didn't really have an answer back then, or not one that I remembered. Interestingly, last week, I spoke to Ollie Langridge outside the Beehive, and uh, somebody from... Um, the Extinction Rebellion I asked them the same question and they said it's about positive change it's about finding a way to convince people that these choices will make their lives better and will also make them feel great 
I guess I haven't quite worked out the magic formula for that. That, that seems so intuitive, right? It because does. Because humans will do the thing that makes them feel good. Yeah. So if you can kind of tie that to the thing that will make the planet feel good as well, then yeah. there you go. There's your yeah. solution to it. As opposed to something that's fearful. Oh, if we yeah. don't do this, we're all going to, you know, burn. The, I don't. I think the YouTube algorithm has figured out that I'm a big fan of Greta Thunberg. So oh, it throws uh, all these videos right, at me. Right. But it's also, it knows that I am a um, probably a, realizes I'm a white male in my early 30s. So it's throwing me all of these weird, like conservative takes on her as well. And I just, the the vitriol that it has been thrown at this hero. Like, I really think she's She's a a hero of our time, truly is. And the common criticism seems to speak to what you're talking about. People are going, you know, don't you wag your finger at me. Don't tell me what I can and can't do, you 16-year-old sort of thing. These predominantly guys with these fragile egos who couldn't listen to anyone, you know, who's... um, who's not 50 like they are even when they're speaking the truth and they're scientifically backed but i think yeah because i my inclination is because of the size of the problem that we're facing is just to go what the fuck like i don't think we should meet you on the terms of you know having to sort of seed ground to be positive and get in behind the train rather than stand in front of it and go you're about to fucking fall off a bridge yeah yeah, you know but i guess you have to don't you because the other ways just aren't impactful and effective well unless you legislate against the white 50 year old men who don't believe that climate change is happening if there's a way of uh, uh, which feels very tricky and dangerous as well. Yeah, because they they vote, you know, there's money, you know, you follow the money in politics always, right? <laughs> Let's take Lock it back to something. Up. Let's Lock take them. it back to something specific. So you've got this 11-year-old niece. Sorry, what's her name again? Sylvie. Sylvie. Yeah. And so I think I read somewhere that Sylvie was one of the reasons or, or you got involved with Sylvie for the recent campaign to protect the Hectares Dolphin. Yeah, well, she was going down a similar road. I mean, she, you know, I've, I've talked to her mum, you know, my sis, and, and she would say Sylvie's just, she's obsessed with it. She's so... Worried, and um, and feels overwhelmed because at eleven she doesn't have a vote, and she doesn't know what to do, and she's in a school, for instance, they don't recycle yet, you know. Wadestown Primary, recycle. <laughs> Looking at you. Sake. You guys Looking can afford you. it. I'm sure it's a decent. You can 10. fucking afford it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um. So, um. I introduced Sylvie over Christmas to Liz Sluton, who's one of the two um, professors um, out of Dunedin University. And uh, her and her partner, Steve Dawson, pretty much have been the two people that have kept Hector and Maui Dolphin alive for the last 30 years. If it wasn't, how, how many Hector's Dolphins do we have left? Oh, I think there's about 10,000, 10, but there's only 53, 56 Maui left. Wow. Only, I mean, we're down to Black Robin territory with them, you know. And these two, their work has stopped them, both of them, from becoming extinct. Anyway, they work in and around Akaroa over the summer, and I go down there and stay with my sister and her, and her fella and her husband and their three boys. And she said, I told her about Sylvie, and she said, bring Sylvie out on the boat, on our research boat, and we'll go out and we'll find some. So I took Sylvie out there, and she saw these dolphins. And so when... And it just made her feel great to be around someone who was 
doing something specific yeah that was really helping you know and uh so then when when greenpeace contacted me a month or so ago and said that there was these these submissions are being put to parliament and did i want to help with that and get behind that i was like Sylph needs to come with me on this journey and it was great it was great she you know she wouldn't let her parents read her speeches she did it all herself and and I know that it made a big difference to her because she felt like she was actually somehow contributing because we really like contributing there's that um can't remember where I read it you know that everyone's writing books and essays and opinion pieces on happiness and one of one of the common denominators with all of these is that the happiest people on the planet are people who do stuff for other people. Yeah. Or do, you know, so... Those selfless acts of yeah. service to so, others in a community. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's, it's a total yeah. universal that cuts across the whole exactly. globe. Yeah. So all of this is is about that. And if we could kind of ha- harness that somehow. I mean... I don't know about your greedy, wealthy businessmen who don't give a fuck. I, I don't know about them. I don't know what drives them. I'm, But it all, I mean, to me, it's like everything's rushing towards the same conclusion is that, you know, the, 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 way, um, the way capitalism is driving the West and the way that that has been, you know, money's the new god it doesn't surprise me that the planet is where it is. You know, it's it's pretty. It's it's like that. Be careful of what you want because you'll get it. You know, if you yeah. if if what you want's money, at at ev- at all other costs, then yep, you'll get it. You won't have a planet anymore, and you may not have that many friends, but you'll have money. You know, and and to me, for us to be dealing with climate change extinction of most of the animals on the planet um somehow looking after the seven billion people on the planet you know over half are are not doing well on the poverty scale we need to kind of rethink who we are as human beings because we're 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 driven by fear mostly this episode of how to save the world is sponsored by all heart nz the charitable trust helping Kiwi corporates be more responsible with their stuff. All Heart NZ are providing tools and expert advice to support businesses to improve their sustainability and social good, and not just in New Zealand. By providing expert support services and tech solutions, they're helping tackle huge international problems like modern slavery embedded in global supply chains. Thank goodness for All Heart NZ. You can learn more at allheartnz.org.nz. I read I read a book years ago. In fact, my father, my father um, put me onto it. He started a a lobby group, an online lobby group that's been running for a while now called Closing the Gap, which is about um, pay pay equity. And there was a book that was written, oh, maybe twenty years old now called The Spirit Level, and it was about that. And it and it looked at the gap between the rich and the poor, uh, not how rich people were or how poor people were, but the gap. And then it measured that gap against about a hundred various social indicators like happiness, depression, um, suicide, health, teenage pregnancy, crime, violence, all of those things. And it 
it concluded just with data that the the smaller that gap was between the rich and the poor the the lower all those negative social indicators were basically saying i think the financial times reviewed this book and said we really really don't like books like this and what they're saying but we can't argue with data because yeah. it's just data and it was basically saying that equal societies where people pretty much earn kind of on a par with each other and uh, there's not that much competition they're just happier across the board and the analogy was if you walk out your front door and you know that your neighbour up the street is worth you know um, a hundred times more than you are millionaire and the person who lives in the little house down the end of the street is um practically homeless your relationship with the world is going to be completely different Mm. than if you walk out of your house and you just know that everyone's pretty much on inequity you know like it's 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 softer and it means that your priorities become different you know they're not about beep beep you know i've 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 got to haul myself out of the gutter and get myself up to where that guy is it's that hierarchy of needs thing isn't it it's like that's right you know that you can go to the doctor when you need to and you can buy food for your kids and get them to school and everyone's looked after you can look a little further afield and go yeah can i get the free range eggs yeah instead of the super cheap battery ones yeah. can i get organic chicken? because the whole can community's get... thinking like that yeah you know and and I, I remember speaking to i was um uh i hung out with a couple of filmmakers from denmark for a while and you know they've got a very sort of egalitarian society over there and i and i said what i said how is that and he went well he said it's a little he said it's a little boring because we've we've all pretty much got the same sort of furniture <laughs> I went, right. And he said, but the furniture's lovely. And he said, but actually, I love the softness of my country. There's a, there's a, um, it doesn't have that same edge. I mean, the interesting thing is, of course, countries like America, all those negative social indicators are off the chart Mm. because of the very, very rich and the very, very poor, you know. And so that, We've got to deal with that yeah, as well. I totally agree. I think it's so part and parcel of it, fixing it, all the other bigger problems. Yeah. I mean, where we've ended up today, I, I guess, is uh, it, it's, I mean, it, it started with the Industrial Revolution, didn't it? Mm. And it started with, and, and that kind of bred that new form of capitalism. And and so there's a very, there, there's a very few um, there's a very small number of people, very, very wealthy people, that are driving the destruction of this planet. And unless we harness that, unless we stop that, yeah, I don't know what we do. Speaking about those sort of big zoomed out picture things, so you were you were no fan of the key government, I think, that we had for nine years no, on the whole. And um, you were a voice in the lead up to the election to try and get the the government that we've got in now. Yeah. Um, on environmental stuff, how do you think this Labour-led coalition government is going in New Zealand? I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't think they're going as far as they need to by a long shot, but I also understand that they're up against some pretty hefty opposition behind those doors. I believe that they are trying a lot, you know, like the... Well, for instance, that we all thought that 
a capital gains tax would happen under this government, and it didn't. I believe that that's not because they didn't want it, you know, and and I'm fairly sure that it would be the, it's the same with um, a lot of the environmental stuff. Where are we for? So I, um, for reference, in the in the lead up to the last election, hosted a a TV show where I had panel guests and stuff each week so I had to pay really close attention to the news oh, right. as soon as I stopped doing it I tapped out Right, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, got yeah. so over it so I just have been so tuned out of political news pretty much since it happened which is very bad but do you know have you sort of been paying attention where, where is our current government um, doing well and where do they maybe need our support to have a public mandate or where do they need to improve quickly, I think, big I th- time, with th- environmental stuff? Well, I think the, uh, I think what Ollie Language is doing outside the beehive is good. I mean, I, th- I think if D- they Tell could, us about him. What's well, he's, he's been protesting. He's basically camped outside the beehive for 100 days um, on the trot. Um, basically... To, yeah, and he said he would stay there until the government declared New Zealand um, that New Zealand had a climate emergency, because then under a climate emergency you can you can do a lot more stuff. And I agree with him. I don't see why we shouldn't be now because we're in an emergency. Mm. You know, the and I think of, a majority of our councils have done it now. Yeah, I think yeah. the local government. So level. why we wouldn't do it nationally is. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it's such a big call. Um, maybe they're fearful of it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, one of the big ones for us environmentally is the waterways, and this, you know, and, and of course the, you know, the the, the farming industry is. Um, there are huge, you know, there's a huge pushback. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that they, I don't know that they've done much with that yet. There is a. Speaking about all the money tied up with this and how it's stopping it, I mean, that's the whole problem, I think, in New Zealand with a big farming conglomerate, Fonterra, just stopping anything from changing. We had um, Dr. Mike Joy on the show, who's an expert in water ecology in New Zealand. And like, man, <laughs> he painted a pretty bleak picture. Oh, um, well, it and is he's been bleak. fighting for so long to try and get changed, and he's just, you know, audibly had enough. <laughs> he's and, like, he's over it. And one of the big things we could do is, you know, we got to move away from from dairy and beef. Yeah, we have to. And I know, I know that's not our history. I I know what this country was built on, blah blah blah. But we just have to. Yeah, because it's lethal. You know that the, I mean that's that's an international thing. He also made a good point that there's little specific things these farms could be doing which um, kind of wouldn't have any downside to them. Like we're farming really intensively, but he was saying that there's all this evidence based on overseas um, studies where they've had less intensive farming and they get just as much yield in terms of um, milk products out of the cows with twenty percent less cows, and that you can drop your um, I think like total nitrate, I'm going to misquote him slightly, but all of the sort of petroleum products right. that you've got to use by like 50%. Because it's not this linear scale. It's when you start really And is that because in, the cows are happier and fatter and produce more? And It's also to do with, I think, how much you're destroying the topsoil and like how much right. those sorts of environments can actually soak in. Because it will kind of get to a point of maximum saturation and then all the ecology will break down. The whole right. farming system breaks down because the grass can't cope with the amount of 
round up you're putting on it anymore to right. stop um you know with the pesticides and that in addition to all the fertilizer to make it grow and it's right. like there's a maximum amount you can use of that stuff and i think the problem in new zealand is we just want you know, more cows, more milk, more mm. exports, more for GDP. It's the same with the fishing industry, right? You know, it's it's like dial back the greed on all of this, and and the yield could yeah. be, it could it be, d- be, you know, like it doesn't have to be this zero sum. You're going to miss out thing no, if you can take a slightly more global view and have a look at some other practices. That's right, and I mean, I I I know that I am you know economically naive I'm, I'm you know I'm not a politician I'm not a scientist I'm not an economist but I look at every year the word that disturbs me more than anything in our newspapers is growth more growth more growth more growth more growth I'm like why do we need more growth why do we need more growth because the more growth we have it's, it's not like the poor people that you know like the the people below the poverty line get get any better off mm. it's not that it's about a redistribution of wealth it's about fixing, you know, we, we don't... Now you're talking like a socialist. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, yeah, control the product. What is it? Control the production. Seize the and means the me- of production, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's that we, we we don't need more growth. We really don't. Yeah. Our televisions are the size of our houses. We don't... We, we, we need redistribution and we need community again. You know, we need to... A bit more of the gift culture. We need to just... We need to reduce a little bit. Mm. I mean, that's what households are trying to do. You know, you're trying to reduce your carbon footprint. You're trying to reduce the amount of hot water you're using on a daily basis. You're trying to reduce your, you know, your electricity bill. You're trying to reduce your your, your amount of waste. You know, so how that's about actually we, a good point? How about we do about, that on the national scale? I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but I think you're you're super right. Most people, and maybe I'm just living in a little green bubble. But most people, it seems these days, really are trying to make some effort to reduce their stuff. Companies will never do it unless you legislate and tell them to, because yeah. they've got they have to chase the money. Yeah, yeah. Within the law, so you've just got to change the law to make them do it too, because we're doing it. Yeah. So why shouldn't this other part of society? And I go do it on, too? I go on film sets now, for instance, and if plastic cups turn up on film sets. They get told off quick, you know. It, it, it's become much more part of our. Um, it, it, it's not an extremist. It's not extremist behaviour anymore. It's it's part of our lexicon. It's part of our, um, you know, our our our, our common knowledge. Mm. But we're doing it on a personal level. When in fact we need to be doing it on a net. I mean, the fact that it took us so long to get plastic bags out of supermarkets. Is hilarious. Well, it's not hilarious. It's awful. It's awful. We were ten years or more after the UK, and for what? Why? Yeah. Why? But also, you go into supermarkets now, and and of course, there aren't the plastic bags to carry your food out. But there's a shitload of plastic in there anyway. Yeah, totally. You know. It's- at- it's a stepping process, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, here we are. We're going round and round and round and round and round and round in circles talking about pretty much every aspect of life and how it is overwhelming. Mm. So my answer to it is is schools, you know, the more the more you don't want to educate kids to panic them. But I think it's necessary to educate them uh you know, 
it's good to know the cold hard facts, but also to know that 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 there are things being done and that there are people who are already working hard and that they can do something too. I mean, I really believe. Uh, I I read an opinion piece in the Guardian that was written by a New Zealand woman. She was a, a I think she was she was a head of a nanny group here, and it was a sort of an answer to the general fear that there is a generation, you know, like the young that the teenagers now we're growing a generation of incredibly anxious kids and incredible, you know, and we should be worried for their mental health. And there is, I'm I'm sure that's right, mm. but her take on it was this is the generation that's going to save the planet because we didn't. We all got told that there was a, ho- a hole in the ozone layer and we did sweet fuck all, but we stopped, we stopped using fly spray. And we're leaving it up to them and they are freaking out and they are panicking, but probably to change you need that level of energy. Yeah, um, and that's what Greta keeps saying as well. Mm, I, don't, I, I don't want your hope. I don't want your optimism. I want you to panic because we need to. Th- th- well, yeah. yeah. Um, th- which is very much not in line with <laughs> Waveney's general course. I don't want to take us wicked off course for the usual podcast um, tone just because she's not here. To sort of round off, like, and in that vein as well of trying to be a bit positive um, with the recommended courses of change for people and to be specific, you've been doing this a long time. You've associated with a lot of different groups. You've advocated for Greenpeace and for mm. SAFE and, and other organisations. You've met all these people all around the world who are trying to make change. Could you give the people listening something specific that they could do? Because that's what we try to do each episode is some small thing that they might be able to take on board. Um, and it could be a specific action point or it could be like a slightly wider tonal thing but what is one thing you would like to leave people with who are listening to this um well 10 years ago i would have said do what you can like look at every aspect of your life and look at what you can change um and that can and look at what's manageable within your life but then look at something that maybe might be a little bit more difficult and try and change that too because we can't sort of just meander along in a comfortable way anymore. So again, it's I, I, I think part of the problem is that don't you wag your finger at me and tell me how to live my life. That's fine. It's like we now have all the information. We do have it. It's out there. We know that, you know, the science is telling us a thing and it's pretty much indisputable except by the Flat Earth Society and other mental people. Um, So make the choice your own. I think that's it, is that don't sit back and be told what you... Hi, puppy. Don't sit back and be told what you should be doing by other people because that'll just piss you off. Make the choice yourself so you get informed, you um, read, you know, just read read something. Find out and empower yourself with those choices because one thing I do know is that it feels really great when you do. It doesn't feel good to be told what to do. It doesn't feel good to be told that you're living the wrong life and that you're an asshole for doing that. It really feels good 
when you take that power back and just I mean even down to fuck it I'm just not going to eat Doritos anymore that's it you know you do that and then you move on you go actually I'm not going to buy anything with palm oil in it anymore actually I can do without beef can I do with that no I can't really do it yeah I can do that I'll eat beef once a fortnight you know it's or and if you if 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 it remains in in your front brain mm. if it's just something that you stay conscious of always it's it's almost like um giving yourself a filter that you then look through uh, th- that you look through when when you're looking at anything in the in the world. That was a really great sentence. Sorry, <laughs> I know what you end. mean, though. But you know what I mean. It's well, so I feel like that's what happened with me. Is that almost by osmosis because I had for a long time been thinking about these things without taking any action, and then suddenly, and it'll be different for every person. There's a little thing that'll just tip you over the edge. Yeah. If you make the decision to just decide to give a shit and listen a little bit. And and read a couple of articles, yeah. listen to a podcast. It rattles around in your brain for a while, and then you'll see one thing. I think that speaks to you, yeah. and you go, "Shit! All right, well, I guess fuck. I can't. I can't have palm oil anymore. Yeah, yeah. I guess I should uh, try and, and cut who, down on the number of flights I do, or and whatever. Who, and, you know? and who wants it? Or I'm gonna. I mean, you know, the lovely one that the lovely one that. Um, I'm sure it was the, maybe it was the David Attenborough. Um, the latest one, the Our Planet series that he's just done, which is so extraordinary, you know, it's so amazing. And I'm pretty sure it was in there where he gave a figure of, I don't know how, if, if a certain, a trillion, a certain number of trillion trees were planted overnight, we could pretty much nail climate change. So I'm like, how great! Let's just go plant that. Let's plant trees. I mean, I really want. I'm I'm searching at the moment because I want the boys and I to get involved in a tree planting and because because that mm. the act, you know you I've, get paid for it. Apparently, they can't find enough. Well, I've been watching. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've watched a few podcasts of of what of what they're doing around the world and Indonesia and Africa and how positive it is for a community. I mean, yeah. that's that's something truly lovely that you can do even if you just decide to go and plant a couple more trees in your backyard you know and uh well for instance my car's falling to pieces i've got one of the oldest hybrids on the planet what have you got a toyota prius but it's the old first gen the first gen and the window you know the window's fallen off a couple of times and i and i was in a car yard i found myself in a car going and you need a new car and then I put those filters back on again. I was like, why do I need a new car? I don't need a new car. What do I need a new car for? It just gets us around when I need it to get it. You know, I I don't, what's this? Why do I need a second bathroom? Yeah. Why do I, you know, just, just quietly questioning. Well, we've been, because that sounds quite revolutionary and almost a bit brainwashy, but I think it's because, and we talked about this briefly once before on this podcast, but I reckon we've been brainwashed the whole time since birth to not question that, to go, you know, you get a new car if you can afford it. You get a new bathroom if you can afford it. Like, get more stuff, always. More, more, more More, stuff. More, 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 more. And in fact, you know, it never made anyone happy. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No. It's it's very unnecessary. I mean, we are the most, you know... um, um, depressed, medicated, <laughs> yeah. unhealthy 
you know we've ge- got more stuff than any generation before us and we're probably the least happy yeah that's <laughs> that right walks, yeah. that's right that's right so there's a there's a disconnect there and uh if 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 it's possible to just take a moment to like i say take take the power back yourself and just look at how your life is running and just slowly try some stuff out. Now, that's one side of it. I also think you've got to get out and march. I think you've got to get out and march. And I get, I, I, you have to get out for the, sake of, for the sake of this earth that we live on. We've got to start banging some drums a bit, uh, uh, um, a bit more noisily. So it's a combo. And that, that feels great too. I mean, but then I love banging drums. Maybe some people don't. <laughs> Robert Malcolm, thank you so much for coming oh, look, on the show. Expert on everything <laughs> and expert on nothing. It's been well, lovely to talk to you. We've all. I think one thing that's come across for me as well is that, it, like we started off with saying, everyone feels like they've got this imposter syndrome. We all need to make a bit of a conscious effort to put that one side to one yes. side when we're actually going. You know what? Some very smart people are telling us to change. I'm okay with retransmitting the scientist message. Me that too. This is unsustainable. That's what I might not understand all of the methodology and graphs and how they met their findings, but I trust what that guy's saying, and I have to start being a bit more comfortable with yep. going. You know what? We should be eating less meat. Et Honestly, you can't. You know, uh, uh, my answer always when people have said to me in the past, "You're just a fucking actress. Why get out of politics?" And, and I'm like, you know what? What I know I can do is put bright, shiny lights around things. So I'm not a scientist like you. I don't, I don't know the minutiae of it all, but I read enough to know. And also, you don't actually need to read it, read anything to know the storms. Yeah. The weather ch- I mean, yeah. really? We've got our best people on it. They've given. They've done the work. Yeah. They've figured it out. They've figured it out, yeah. and we're watching it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would highly recommend that people follow Robin on Twitter as well. Uh, Robin Malcolm. It's just your name, I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Because you retweet a lot of good um, I do, campaigns I do. and stuff. And so I've started, I've, I've been told by my agents that I have to I have to have a, an active Instagram account. So I'm oh, trying cool. to do that. So I'm doing that as well. Great. I'm not very good at it. I just keep putting pictures of my dog up. I do the same. I, I try and promote comedy shows on there and no one gives a shit and I put one video of my dog up and everyone goes crazy. Everyone loves it. You yeah, everyone see. loves a dog. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Catch Bye. you next week, everyone. Bye. Thanks again to our sponsor, All Heart NZ, who are improving the planet and the lives of Kiwis through reducing, reusing and redirecting corporate waste. Check them out at allheartnz.org.nz.